Well, welcome back to Capitalize Your Fridays. This is Michael Williams. I'm the founder and president of Altius Financial. And I'm Taylor Dennis, Senior Wealth Design Specialist and VP of Altius Financial. So I'm not sure about the rest of you, but I grew up with one of those very financially savvy parents who really instilled their values on me. Um, A lot of what I grew up with discussing banking accounts and credit cards was, okay, credit cards are very dangerous. You have to be careful. Don't pay anything for the subscription. Make sure they're paid off monthly. The worst thing you could ever do is track for points because you need to make sure that you're focusing on just paying them off monthly and never accumulating debt. Um, And I think I kind of had that upbringing of, oh gosh, they're very scary. Be good. Be smart with your money. Save. Never spend too much. Um, <laughs> so it seems like you were raised properly and, and, and with some really great lessons to learn. I actually, you know, feel like that's one of the reasons why, you know, I originally thought you to be an attractive candidate for a financial advisor because you had that kind of background and character and understanding. And now you're going to say, well, that's all, throw all that out. What do you mean? Well, don't fire me. <laughs> and I'm not going to say that that's not good. I think that's, that is great um, credit card management good like structure to live off and a good basis. But I think that we're kind of now in this world where there's actually a decent benefit on a lot of the credit card points if you're trying to utilize them accurately. Um, and so I want to make sure that our listeners, if they are already good stewards of their capital, they're already covering good debt management skills, they're never paying credit card debt bills, they're never incurring interest, maybe let's think about how could this be a beneficial opportunity for them in addition to something that they're already doing well? Well, you might uh, need to convince me a little bit. I think I know where you're going with that, but but let's hear more. Okay. So like many of these episodes, I've kind of gone through the good and the bad and the ugly of this situation. I'm still relatively new to the credit card hacking type world or travel card hacking world is I think the phrase that they would use. But I'm going to maybe share some of my firsthand experience. Maybe Mike share some of his firsthand experience. And then hopefully this will be something that can be a valuable discussion for our listeners. But let's definitely start off with our disclaimer before we get too far along. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of investment advice or financial planning. No client advisor relationship is formed by our broadcasting this information or you're listening to it. The use of this information or any materials linked to in this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not meant as a substitute for professional financial advice. If you're needing specific advice for your situation, please reach out to your certified financial planner. Or if you're interested in learning more about our firm, our people, or our philosophy, please reach out to us at our website, altiusfinancial.com, or you can reach us directly by email at michael at or Taylor at altiusfinancial.com. Okay, so once again, I think I did say that I'm a novice, but I'm, I'm going to start off with sharing that I don't know everything. If you're looking for someone who is a pro credit card user that makes money off of affiliate links and that kind of stuff, that is not my career. <laughs> so I'm not the one to go to there, but I have definitely started to really scratch the surface on what can you do to maximize your point benefits? What can you do to utilize your points? And I want to make sure I'm sharing that information with our listeners. So tell me, Taylor, what you mean by a good credit card and good credit management, good credit credit card management in, in the first place. 
Yeah. So I think we already maybe touched on it to start, but that is really your baseline. If you can't handle having a credit card, paying your credit card off every month on time, never paying interest, then you maybe go to one of our other episodes. We've got plenty of great episodes, (laughs) (laughs) but if you're sitting there going, okay, I get $2 back a year in my cash back and I want to have some some more benefit out of the fact that I've already been a good steward of my capital, then maybe keep listening. Well, so you're saying uh, <laughs> that, I, I, I want to emphasize this, that baseline yes. of never paying interest. Never paying what interest. What does that mean to the to the listener? What, I mean, that, that, that sounds great in concept because no one wants yeah. to pay interest to someone else, right? I want to earn interest. I don't want to pay interest. But you're saying, and I and, and we have yeah. a little outline here just for our, <laughs> little, we have a cheat sheet as far as you know what we want to talk about. And and Taylor has it in big, bold letters. Never. Never. <laughs> what does that mean, never paying interest? That means, okay, so I think we all, and if we don't all know this, I'm going to teach you something new. Credit cards have the highest interest rates. They are outrageous. I don't know how they get away with this, but they do. And you signed up for your credit card, so you signed the line that agreed to that interest rate. I know how they get away with it. People pay it. Because <laughs> people is, pay it, yeah. And the thing is, um, and they should. I mean, the yeah. thing is, what you're talking about is, Interest is the price of consumption earlier or later, deferring gratification. And that's what I wanted to get at a little bit as far as you saying never. It's it's a person who's willing to live within their means and not spend money they don't have yep. on the kind of consumption that they want right now. And credit card companies understand human nature. Lots and lots and lots of people will agree with you and I in theory yeah. about, oh, I don't want to consume before I have the money. They'll agree with that, Mm -hmm. but their behavior will be different, right? And that's why the credit card industry exists. Well, and and we definitely live in such a I want it now world where you open your phone and it seems like everyone just spent two months in Europe. Where where did they get that kind of PTO? (laughs) Where did they get the money and the funds to cover this? Um, But so I think we definitely live in a consumption world where it's hard to say no to things. And so you want to make sure you're saying, well, what are my values for this card? Before you even sign up for any kind of credit card that, in general, you want to say, hey, I make sure that I'm not putting money onto this card that I don't either have in a savings account that's readily accessible or that's going to come in through my paycheck that I know is coming this month. So if you don't have the money... Do not spend it. Yeah. Okay. So now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about actually, you know, you using the term hack. And that seems like an interesting concept to people use that for the last 10 years, people have been using the term like hack for like, I've got a secret better way to do this. Yeah. Like a A little, uh, little tricks of the trade. Yeah. Yeah. So let's hear about some of those and and talk about, you know, credit card fees, credit card perks, you know, where's the trade off? Yeah. So when you're thinking about credit card fees and credit card perks, I mean, Another thing that I was always instilled is why would you pay for a credit card? And I think Mike, you've even told this to me before is like my Wells Fargo card is free. I don't pay anything to have that credit card each year. It it just continues on as it is. A lot of the travel focused credit cards will have some sort of fee. And those fees can really range from maybe on the low end, maybe around $50, averaging around 95 to 100. That's per year, per, per month, year. per lifetime, one time only. <laughs> Every single year. So then you got to think about, well, I need to make sure I'm offsetting that fee. So if, if I'm saying my credit card fee is, for instance, $100 per year, I need to be getting, at least this is how I look at it, I need to be getting at least that $100 worth of value out of my card benefits. 
And so that's where you need to kind of find the trade-off. And I know there aren't very many nerds like me that sit out there and create an Excel doc of, well, how is this going to pay off for me? But even if you could just maybe make a notes in your phone and say, well, before I even buy the card, what are the benefits and how is that going to add up to at least that annual benefit amount? And keep in mind, there are some benefits where maybe you get it and you don't get those every year. So you need to say, hey, well, this is maybe a once every other year benefit. Cut that in half. That's not paying off your card fee. So there's definitely a trade-off. So what are the, the categories that people, I mean, this may be straightforward for, for many of our listeners, but let's talk about the main kind of categories of point benefits, how, how the credit card's offering you a benefit in the way of points. So typically the way that a lot of credit cards are advertised is we'll pay you 2% for this, 2% for gas, 4% for travel, 5% for groceries, eating out. Or I say, I said percent, but I should have said five times points or four times points. And so your thought is, well, what do I do the most? What, what is most of my spending going towards? And what is the goal of this card? Is this a I really, I've had a bucket list trip that I've been wanting to do for a while and I want to make sure I can afford that trip. I'm saving up to it and I want this card to support that. Or is it, oh, this is just, I really have an everyday, I want to make sure I'm getting points, but most of my expenses go towards groceries. Maybe you've got a huge family and you're carpooling everywhere. You, you want something that helps with gas. So you want to look at, well, what are the point benefits for each of those different types of categories and then think about how you use them. Um, This isn't a plug for the new iPhone, but I have heard that the newest iPhone has an app where it will tell you which card you should use depending on what store you just walked into. Are you saying that's like a native app that comes on the phone? That comes on the phone. Wow. I think you have to probably preset like, hey, I have these three credit cards and it'll tell you this one's going to get you the most points for that. For the rest of us, me with my four-year-old phone that I'm, I'm going to run into the ground. <laughs> I have to do that in my head. But the thought is, okay, well, what are those points? Where are those points maximized? And if you kind of know off the top of your head, I have one card and this will cover everything, or I have two cards and this one's for groceries and this one's for shopping or travel, it makes it a little bit easier. So are there, are there categories beyond that, like special perks of some kind? Yeah. So sometimes there are different cashback offers. Sometimes there's like specific services that are even covered. So I know some of the cards I've looked at cover a set dollar amount per month towards a gym membership. Some cover a set amount towards Uber, Hulu, Audible. Um, you can use it towards newspaper and you get cash back on that. So I'm curious, I'm curious, you know, I, I have traveled a fair amount this year and yeah. it seems like oftentimes I'm sitting there, you know, getting settled in. We're up, up in the air now. It's beyond the, you know, we're going through the safety things and, yeah. and then the flight attendants at some point are saying, you know, they're giving an announcement about, you know, sign up now yeah. or you'll get 100,000 points or whatever for signing up for our card. What does that mean, 100,000 points? I mean, I always yeah. want to put it back to dollars. And that's, that brings up another thing I want you to address, Taylor, is that I know people who are like, well, I just, they'll say, well, I bought it with points. And I'll be like, well, those points represent real money to you, right? Yeah. They're like, don't worry about it. I just bought it with points. Well, that's still like buying it with money, right? Yeah. So first of all, address the whole thing about, you know, what 100,000 points to sign up for something means. And oftentimes I get, you know, it, it seems like it is airlines who are doing it. Yeah. But th- then that issue of, you know, 
points are equal real dollars. Yeah, so there is a, and I should have pulled it up, but there's, and I follow a couple people on Instagram that are like travel. Yeah, isn't there a guy called the, the points guy? Yeah, there's the points guy. <laughs> the points guy is great. Um, there's Adventure Parks as a family. Their last name is Parks. There's a lot of, and this isn't plug for any of them. They don't know I have a podcast with Mike, but um, I I have found that for me it's easiest to follow those follow platforms that have a similar card to you or that discuss those cards because they will be able to tell you, hey, right now the it's called the cent per point the CPP. There's a conversion between how many points equal how many cents, and ideally I think you want to get around three cents per point which sounds super, super low. I've, I've quickly learned that um, points don't necessarily equal a ton of money, even if they sound like a ton of money. If you have 100,000 points, you don't have $100,000. Um, yeah, I had, that, it, I had that occur recently. Actually, I was looking to make a hotel reservation. I had, you know, I, I have, a long time ago, I signed up for some kind of Hilton points thing. Yeah. And I was thinking, okay, they're telling me, I, uh, this is something else you could address, you know, I got an email saying your Hilton points are going to expire. Uh-oh. <laughs> and I had 55,000 55, points on Hilton for some, you know, some rooms yeah. I reserved a long time ago. And I'm like, okay, maybe I'll be maybe I'll have the opportunity to use those before year end. I don't want them to expire. You know, that's part of what they get you with, right? Oh, yeah. these are going to expire. You got to do something. <laughs> yeah. Um and I looked in like, you know, for fairly modest hotel rooms is like, you know, 250,000 points for a night and I'm like <laughs> Yeah. How useful is this? I'm a long ways from that. I mean, so sometimes, and, and that's partly what they try to do, right? They want you to be the loyalty thing. I, evidently, I'm not really a loyal Hilton customer because I, I haven't really accumulated a lot of points on that system. Yeah. But if you could address some of that. Yeah, so I, I actually have it a little bit further down but I'm on my agenda, but I will kind of jump into that. So the points are kind of interesting because I want to start with, well, how do you transfer them and how do you use them? And I believe the term would be transfer partners. So you're going to look at, there's banks that have offer different types of credit cards. There's, as you said, airlines. So oftentimes you could see Southwest, United, American, Delta. If you're on an airline, typically by the end of the airline, they'll say, hey, by the way, we'll give you an extra 10,000 points if you sign up for our credit card today. And then hotels as well. And so the interesting thing with these is, I've learned that they affiliate differently and the way that you can transfer points works slightly different. Um, so most of the banks, so like if you're doing Amex or Chase, so the big two that I've seen or the big three that I've seen are kind of the Amex, the platinum and the platinum for travel, the gold for food, Chase Sapphire Reserve is kind of like the other gold standard for travel, but Chase also offers lots of other travel cards. And then the City Premier is kind of the top city card. Um, and then Capital One Venture X. So those are kind of the top ones I've seen across the research I've done as far as they have lots of different point options and these are run by banks. And then you can then transfer these points to different airlines, hotels, companies. So if you're someone who's saying, I don't know if I want to fly Southwest or United or... Flying Blue or Air France or I don't know what I want to fly or I don't know where I want to stay. I'm not necessarily loyal to someone. It might be worthwhile to look at one of the banking type cards because you could then transfer your points to different airlines or two different hotels. So that makes it more like money, right? The it point, makes it, it turns, a little bit more liquid. Yeah. 
rather than being tied to one airline or one yes one uh, hotel chain or whatever. Yeah. So now, if you're looking at the airlines points, you're saying, okay, Southwest has got their credit card. Now, if I get if I'm adding points onto Southwest, I can't just pull those points out and say, no, now I want to use those points for a United flight. It just doesn't work that way. But it's interesting to note that there are three key airline, and I don't know the word for it, but airline partner things or hubs. Um, so there's the Star Alliance, there's the One World, and there's the Sky Team. This might be a little bit extra just information, but for those of you who are saying, well, maybe I wanted to transfer my points to United, but now I don't want to fly United, your United points can also work for SAS, Lufthansa, Air Canada, Air New Zealand, and really anything else that's within that star alliance. So your points for one of those companies can work for all of them. The same thing with One World. So One World is more the American Airlines. So if you had the A Advantage Aviator card or the City Advantage, you've got American, British Airways, Finnair, Qatar, Qantas, and lots more on that one. And then the Sky Team is where you get into the Delta, the Delta Sky Miles and Amex, Air France and KLM. Something I recently learned, though, is that, and Delta, don't sue me, but I was told you shouldn't actually get the Delta Sky Miles Amex. If you're going to get Amex, just get the platinum or the gold, because then you can transfer back anywhere. You're not locked into Delta. Hmm. And I guess the point conversion works better the other way. So if you wanted to go Amex, don't do the Delta Amex, unless you're like, diehard loving Delta. <laughs> and then hotels, the hotels also have different groups. So you've got the Marriott um, family of hotels, the Hilton, Hyatt, and then the IHG. I'm sure there are additional that I'm missing, but those are kind of the broad category there. I know Hilton owns a lot of other different types of companies. So like, I know they own like all the Conrad's, I can't think of any of the others right now. I know Marriott owns like the St. Regis. So there are higher level and lower level tiers on all of these as well. So like you've got like courtyard Marriott versus regular Marriott versus super high Marriott. Um, and that all falls into that one umbrella. But kind of jumping back to what you were saying, Mike, you were asking, well, what do my points get me? Like how much does it cost me to get a flight or how much does it cost me to get a hotel? I did do some research and I was also very surprised because I think I follow some of these social media influencers who they spend their day to day saying, here's how you can maximize travel. And, oh, look, I traveled for $10 of fees plus 50,000 points and look how far I got and first class and all these cool, awesome things. But you have to understand that that's not always the norm. So oftentimes they're promoting... Like, hey, right now there's a, there's a deal where you're going to get the best benefit with your points. And that's not always what it's going to look like day to day. From what I found for hotels, on the cheap, cheap end, if you're maybe in off nights, you're going to maybe pay five to 10,000 points. I have actually yet to find a hotel for five to 10,000 points, um, but I'm sure they're out there. And then... Where? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm serious. But, so I looked at that Hilton thing. I was like, "Wow, it's it's a lot of points to just get a one night." Yeah, and th and these are for standard rooms as well. And then on the higher end, you're looking at ninety five, like seventy, eighty, ninety plus. Um, what I personally experienced was when I've looked to purchase hotel rooms, 
they average around 70 um, was what I found. And maybe I just happened to always be looking for a hotel room on like a peak weekend <laughs> or something. Um, but that has mostly been the case. I think in the past we had found hotel rooms um, when I had travel points with my husband's. He, he had gathered points through work travel. Um, I think we had found some previously in the 30,000 per night range. And then we were able to have like a 50,000 nice night room. But I don't know if it's an inflation thing right now, but when I checked a couple weeks ago, the average in Europe, at least when I was checking was around 70. So you may find local smaller have a little more flexibility. And those point numbers, that's per night as well. So for those of you who are saying, oh yeah, 40,000 for a weekend, sure, or for a week, yeah, that that is not the case. It is per night. Um, and then the thing about flights are the flights are per person and per direction. So I learned the hard way and we joked about how, oh, is 100,000 points a lot of points? And I thought, oh, I, I figured this out. That's a ton of points. I'm going to get all over the world. I'm going to travel. And I had always said I wanted to take the person that I spend the rest of my life with to Paris because I had some family history there. My stepdad worked for a French company and I thought, I want to show them my favorite places in the world. And so I said, oh, we can totally get overseas, the two of us, back and forth. We'll probably get first class. It'll be great. And <laughs> I looked up the first class seats <laughs> on, yeah. on Flying Blue and I looked on four different sites and I said, okay, Flying Blue to France is the cheapest. I was like, okay, perfect, I can do that. I looked at conversions. So something to keep in mind is if you are looking at one of those banking type cards and you're going to then convert your points to airline points or airline miles, what I found is a point is the same thing as a mile. So I can take 100,000 points and it equals... Actually, no, it's still points. It just stayed as points. But know. is that typically a good rule of thumb that a point equals a mile? I actually haven't... Uh, this is where I have to say I'm still more of a novice. It seems like it's been my it's, experience that, that that does seem to be the case. But yeah, how is points translate to miles, miles translate to points, but neither of them really translates very well to dollars. Back to dollars, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so in my situation, I had quoted it all out. Um, they were, Our card was doing transfer bonuses. So during the month of September, there were a lot of transfer bonuses where you could say, I'm going to transfer 100 points. I will get 130 points out of it. And I thought, this is a great option. I'm going to do this now while it's an opportunity. And I'm going to get my round trip flights. And then I quickly found that I quoted for one way and that um, what I'd looked at previously, we'd have to pay that exact amount one more time to get back. So um, I currently have a one-way flight to Europe, but I will come back, I promise. I just <laughs> got to save up enough points and... <laughs> Um, I'm, I would still like to hopefully do the whole trip in points. Cause I think that would be, um, a little mini accomplishment for us just to say we saved up the points and we got it there. But does that influence your spending? You know what I mean? Because I think this is part of why your folks and I have this attitude of, well, yeah. you know, don't worry about the points and just, you know, stay on the state straight and narrow without those points cards is because you start to think, well, okay, I want to pay for this whole trip in points. Yeah. Did I start to spend more on a specific card to accumulate points? And that change, that change yeah. in your behavior ultimately may cost you more, even though you don't know it. No, I, I think that is a great point. Um, 
And I have talked with plenty of friends who also have credit cards that they're trying to build out to get the points and figure that whole system out. And I think most of us would say the credit cards win a little bit in that first moment where they say, you've got to spend, most credit cards will say, you can have 100,000 points or you can have 70,000 points, but you've got to spend $3,000 in the first month or the first two months or however long. And most of the people I've talked to about this situation or this, I'm going to call it a phenomena, <laughs> it, they kind of experience this, oh gosh, I got to hit that. Otherwise, I'm that, that, those points are in the trash if I don't hit that. And so you quickly say, well, I had talked about buying a jacket um, and I was going to buy it anyways, but I wasn't going to buy it till Christmas, but Christmas is in four months. Maybe I'll buy the jacket now and then that's okay. Oh, well, I had a flight that I wanted to buy for next year, but maybe I'll buy that now. And, and then when you start looking back, you're going, okay, well, the things that I had maybe pre-mentally budgeted over multiple months, all of a sudden you've kind of combined into one month. And so maybe you're not necessarily spending money you wouldn't have spent one day, but you're probably front-loading a lot of your expenses to hit that. And so yeah, you're I, rationalizing that. Yeah, right? you're rationalizing, what am I spending? And I've, I, I've used this example before. I, it doesn't quite translate, but I mean, people go to Las Vegas and they get free drinks or free meals. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, well, there's a reason. Yeah. Uh, they're going to keep you in there and they know that you're likely to lose your money to them. So it's a loss leader, but they are going to win. And it's the same kind of thing in the sense that the, They've got a lot of smart people who've done calculations on the average person and how they're going to spend and, and accumulate points, and they know that they're, gonna, they're actually going to make money off of it. Yeah, so I would like to forewarn anyone who's saying, I'm about to get that credit card, I want to hit my points goal. Um, be careful going into it because you likely will feel that urgency of, oh, it's, I have six months to do this. And six months in your mind maybe feels like one month and you don't want it to be all of a sudden you're blowing up your budget and now you're back to step one where, like we said, you never want to pay interest. <laughs> all caps, never pay interest. Um, Make interest, collect interest, don't pay interest. Exactly. I guess I didn't really finish on what it would cost as far as flights. So for those of you who are listening and wondering, well, what would flights cost for me, maybe local or overseas? What I found was, so economy overseas is anywhere between six to 30,000 per person per direction. Premium economy overseas or international is between 30 to 80,000 per person per direction. Um, and then business class is anywhere from 50,000 if you got a deal to 200,000 plus. And then the super high business class, because some places have, for those of you who are maybe saying, oh, I always dreamed of having like that little suite room with the bed and they feed me the caviar and the champagne. And, you know, I'm sure someone's seen it on social media where they're like, how did that person get that? Those are around 500,000 plus points. And you typically need to start with having status with your airline before. So you can't just trade the points and buy it. You have to also set up an account with that, with that um, provider as well. Not only set up an account, but have accumulated that many miles to get that, that status level, right? Um, no, you, I think you can, I don't know how far you have to get into the status level. I, I think you just have to have some status. So you'd probably have to take a few flights. You can't just say, I'm going to fly 
Qatar once and then use my airlines from Citibank to buy me the top level bedroom type suite, you're likely going to need to maybe take a couple flights if you're going to want to buy it all on, um, on points. And then, so domestic, obviously that's going to be a little lower. So you're looking at between five to 50 for economy, 12,000 to 70,000 for business class flights. And then it's also helpful to note that depending on your airline, depending on where you're flying into or out of, you're going to have some kind of fees. So on the low end, maybe you're paying like five bucks in fees and that's great. Um, on the high end, certain places will charge you fees for like additional gas mileage and that kind of stuff. And so you could be paying a few hundred of dollars in fees on top of a few hundred thousand of points. So be aware that while it might feel free when you're just paying with these points that you've accumulated, you're not necessarily going to have it completely free. There's probably going to be some kind of fee there as well. So for our listeners who are like, well, maybe I don't care about points as far as flying somewhere. I don't care about points as far as staying in a hotel room. You can use your points for other things. You're not forced to use points for travel. Um, it's just often a slightly more beneficial cent per point. Like you can typically get a little bit more out of it than you would if you're just converting straight to dollars. So uh, let me see if I understand that correctly. Because I there is a card that I get points on um, and... I just, more often than not, I redeem those points for Amazon cards. Okay, so you're likely getting less benefit. value than if I were traveling with it. Mm-hmm. Huh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's, a good, that's good that I'm learning that because I, yeah. I you know, do sort of back of the napkin calculations and say that yeah. you know, this is the dollars that it equals. And so, okay. It always seems like the, the whole issue with traveling on point. Scheduling traveling is a ha- hassle in the first place, you know, because yeah. there's so many different flights and you know, when am I going to arrive and is there a layover and all that kind of thing. So yeah. to me, it's often easier just to use the points, uh, especially if they're expiring. You know, I've waited and, okay, I got some points, so I might as well, you know, I'll just redeem them for merchandise or, like I said, uh, Amazon cards that I can use for merchandise in the future. Yeah. Uh, but you're saying from a dollar for dollar standpoint, it's better to actually maybe use them for travel purposes. Yeah, so typically it's going to be better to use them for travel or other types of purchases rather than taking out money. There might be, I would have to check what your point conversion is for the and Amazon that's not, cards. And that's not taking into account my time, right? Because I don't, your, I don't yeah, like sitting there trying to shop for Yeah, trying to shop travel. for flights and travel. Yeah. And that's the thing. If, if your points are going to go bad or expire and you're sitting there going, well, I don't care about travel, get something out of your points. I mean, don't just let them expire. Obviously, you want to get an Amazon card or get the cash or you can use them to pay back your credit card or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You just typically don't get as much benefit there. Okay. One thing I do want to make sure I'm focusing on, we talked about the risk of the sign up, like you get those sign up bonuses and now you're starting to spend too much. It's also helpful to note that you're likely going to get your largest, easiest chunk of benefits through those or chunk of points through those sign up bonuses. And that they're not always equal. So if I said, I want the Chase Sapphire Reserve card, I could open up my computer and it could say, congratulations, you're pre-qualified. You get 50,000 points if you buy this today. Now I can turn around and open it up 
up the same exact link on my phone and maybe it'll say 60,000. Now I could go to some affiliate link and maybe it says 40 or maybe it says 70. So I would make sure to, at a minimum, check the signup bonuses on at least a couple different devices. If you happen to have like an iPad and a cell phone, check the bonus options there because they will change depending on where you're opening it. You can also, and this is a whole other step, but if you're saying, I know I need this many points and I want to accumulate them for X, Y, or Z, you can also call the airline company and say, hey, I see there's this point bonus. I want to join, but this other card is only offering this. Is there any way you could give me a few extra points so that I'll sign up for your card? So they might match or something like that. I've heard there are lots of times where people will call asking for extra points and lots of times where just being kind to the person that's on the other side of the phone can get you way further than you would expect. Hmm. Those are good tips. And then make sure you are maximizing your card. So if you're getting something like, does your card come with TSA PreCheck, Global Entry, Clear Blue? Does it get you event access? Do you get free hotel nights, free hotel status, airport lounge access? These are all things where you can say, I want to make sure I'm utilizing them if they're available through my card. And then the, the biggest one likely for people who are interested in travel is, is there a free currency conversion? Um, so the math on that is most cards will charge you about 3% for currency fees if you're out of the country. Now, if you're saying, hey, I'm taking the whole family to, I don't know, I was going to say Disneyland, but Disneyland's in the U.S., Disneyland Paris, or I'm going to Europe or China or something. And oftentimes those those types of trips can add up quite a bit. So if you're saying maybe it's a $10,000 trip, so it's something you've really saved up for. Now you've got 3% on fees. That's $300 just in fees. So that's where you really want to balance out, okay, what's the, is there a free currency conversion option on your card? Um, yeah, those are really helpful. I, I experienced that personally myself a little bit in my recent trip to Europe. And, you know, that it's just like anything else we tell people. The principle comes down to, you know, being aware and planning a little bit ahead of time. I mean, it does, it's worthwhile knowing, you know, what kind of spending you'll do and whether you want cash in the currency that you get. You know, you know yeah. that's, we, we oftentimes will trade off convenience, but that can be costly, you know, and I, I paid some fees to my, to my, uh, normal debit card because it doesn't have that currency conversion and and i did have i did have a travel card that has it but it was an american express card and some places don't accept american express so it'd been better if i had cash or you know actual current local currency yeah definitely so maybe to wrap this up some of the lessons i've learned so far that i wanted to pass forward to our listeners you want to transfer your points during promotion times so if you know that in the next year you want to go on a specific trip and your points aren't already with that um, hotel or with that airline, you want to check and see if your credit card has an option for any kind of point promotion. So maybe you get 20% extra or 10% extra. You want to get extra free points because that's a great easy way to get free points. In my case, I got 30,000 extra free points, um, and all I had to do was transfer them to a qualified provider. Next, when deciding how many points to transfer, double check that you based your, you estimated your information on the round trip. So like I said, oftentimes you are quoting per person, per direction. So if, if you're plugging that detail in, you want to make sure it's saying, okay, I've got the trip there and I got the trip back. Here's how much it costs 
all together. Check for the highest points options for signups. So like I said, check it with your iPad, your iPhone, your computer. Um, check if there's an affiliate link. If you're on an airplane and you're, and they're offering something, I mean, check what that point is. I would urge you to maybe not accept maybe below, or below like 50, because it seems like 50 is kind of the average. 50 to 70 is kind of the average. 100 is great. Um, but 50 to 70 seems like what I see, or at least what I've seen as more often. So if it's lower than that, maybe think through, do I really want this card or is there a way I can get more points out of it? And if nothing else, give the company a call and say, hey, can I, can I get benefits there? And then my last tip that I've learned that I think you guys should all take on as well is I'm not a professional in this. This is not my full-time job. I don't have the time to do this full-time. I think it's something interesting and I want to make sure I'm maximizing it, but I don't have the time to do the full studying on it. So there's lots of websites. There's lots of social platforms. There are people who dedicate their full lives to maximizing their credit cards and they share lots of great stuff. I mean, you could check on sometimes and they'll say, hey, if you're flying from Denver to Spain, it's only 12,000 points if you go during these weeks. And that flight would likely have been at least five times as expensive if you'd gone any other time. So check those out for like up-to-date tips and tricks. Those are uh, very useful pieces of advice, Taylor. I think, I think that's, that's helpful. So I hope this is all helpful for our listeners. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We invite you to follow, like, friend, subscribe for us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. All platforms are saved as Altius Financial. It's typed in all in one word. And our logo is the profile picture on Instagram and Facebook, so you can find us easily there. If you do have any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, recommendations for future podcasts, or if you're looking for financial advice or assistance in your financial planning, feel free to reach out to us directly. My email is taylor at altiusfinancial.com, and Mike's is michael at altiusfinancial.com. We also have our website, www.altiusfinancial.com. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Thanks, guys. 